Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. But I'm really excited to be with you this morning because talking about identity and destiny is really the passion of my life. For 12 years, I've been blessed to be a professional Christian counselor. And so I get to walk alongside people and I get to hear their stories. And they come from all walks of life. They come broken, usually. They come hurting. There's something going on in their life that they need someone to talk to. And I'm so honored that I get to be that person for them. And the truth is, when they come, they come with a couple questions. Typically, they're wondering, who am I? And, and why am I here? And why did all this stuff have to happen to me? Why is this my story? And who am I in the middle of it? And why did God put me here on this earth? You know, it's interesting because I talk with Christians mostly. I'm a Christian therapist. Sometimes my clients are not Christians, but majority they are. And when they come, they don't really have an answer to this question. Who am I? Isn't that interesting? We're Christians, and so we should know the answer to this. I should be able to ask all of us, right, and say, who are you? And we can have an answer for that. And then I could follow up and I can say, and why do you exist? Why are you here? And when I typically ask this of my clients, they'll say, well, I'm a mother, or I'm a father, and I'm, I'm kind. I'm a really good cook. I keep a clean house. I love to garden. I love to go on bike rides. I really like my spouse. I love people, or some, I don't like people. <laughs> but the truth is, that's not a definition of who they are. That's a description. They're describing who they are based on their roles, who they are at that time in their life, or based on their jobs, what they're doing for a living, or even the qualities that they may possess. I'm kind, I'm generous, I'm loving. But that is not an identity. That is a doing. And when God calls us to walk in an identity, that becomes who we are. It's who you are at the core of your being. And so the Bible gives us this insight when we're talking about identity and destiny. And the Word of God says, as a man thinks, so is he. And this scripture is really going to lead our conversation today because the truth of it is, whatever you believe, you will become. Belief always comes before behavior. And we are going to talk this out because it's so powerful to understand. And not only that, but what you believe then determines your destiny based on what you believe about yourself, will then determine where you're going to go with your life. So truly, this belief, whatever your beliefs are, they're going to set your identity, and then they're going to set your destiny. They go hand in hand. 
And so today, when we talk about finding our true identity, we're talking about an inward journey that we're going to have to go on as human beings. It's not something external. It's not something that you do. It's not something that you can work harder to become. An identity is internal. It's inside of you. And so for this, I want to go back to the beginning. And I want to talk about the true battle for your identity. And this battle takes place in your soul. The very first time the battle took place was in the Garden of Eden. There was a man, and there was a woman, and there was a serpent, and there was a father. Father God. And the serpent came to the man and the woman, and he deceived them. He told them, did God really say that about you, about me, about everything? Are you really going to believe God? Adam and Eve took the fruit, and the struggle between two voices began. And that is our struggle today. There are two voices in our life. There's the voice of the enemy, the serpent, the snake, the deceiver, Satan himself, and he whispers things to us. And then we have the voice of our Father. He is a good and loving God. He will not condemn you. He will be kind to you. And the truth is, after the garden, you became. Every single one of us, we were born. Before you were even born, though, you were conceived. And at that very moment of conception, your life was breathed into existence. And from that moment, God had an identity for you, and God had a purpose for you. But how many of us know it's not that easy? <laughs> we don't just pop out of the womb going, this is going to be a great ride. <laughs> and that's because in our lives, we have people. And they're kind of broken sometimes. Sometimes they're messy. And we have circumstances, and they're not always great. And you were born into a family, and you were born into circumstances. And that really was nothing to do with you. But it was everything to do with a battle. How many of you have had a difficult experience with a person? Anybody? If we could raise six hands, maybe we would. <laughs> We've all had encounters with people, but for the sake of today, I want you to hear me really clearly. Your battle is never against a person. And when we're talking about identity, you're going to understand this better. But the truth is your battle is always against that voice, always against the enemy of your heart, wanting you to believe a lie about you. And he whispers and he whispers and sometimes he uses people. Sometimes he uses circumstances that are very hard. And he wants you to believe a message. I shared that at conception, your life began. But so did your being. Now, we're sitting here. The reality is, about 90% of what has happened to you is in your subconscious brain, meaning... You couldn't tell me about it if you wanted to. It's pretty hidden back there. 10% is a consciousness. You can tell me things about your life and your experiences and actually what you believe. You can voice it and you can tell it to me. This is very powerful because these messages were sent to you in the womb. And they were sent to you when you were 
one years old, two, three, all the way up until today, messages being sent to you, things being whispered into your soul. And you believed something before you even knew any better. You grabbed hold of a message and you believed it. And the truth is, this is how the world is operating. You see, there's something very powerful about those messages because they impact us in our soul. Our soul is where we think, so we have our beliefs, where we feel, we have our emotions, and we have our choices that we make. We have our actions. And as we're living out in the world, who, by the way, the enemy is the prince of this world, okay? So he's going to want to distract you from your real identity, and this is how he's going to start. The world will focus on, number one, your outward appearance. Now, how many of you know whenever there's a baby born, what does somebody say to that baby, Kara? There's this little baby. What do you say? So cute. Oh, this baby's so cute. Look at it, so cute. Kara's not sure what she'd say to the baby. <laughs> you look just like your mother. Oh, you're so cute, right? And nobody really ever holds a baby and it's like, oh, well, you know, nice try there. No, everybody says babies are so cute. They come out, they're so cute. But then these babies get older and the world's message starts to come that there's a standard for cute. There's a standard for beauty. Whew. And in elementary school, it can be rough. It starts young. People around you speak over you. They say things to you that are unkind. Has anybody ever had that happen? I was a really skinny, 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 can I say skinny again, child. That, you might think that's great, but I was teased. And so I thought it was horrible to be skinny. It, it's, it's not a matter of what you actually know to be true, it's what other people are telling you is true. So somebody told me it's not good, and I said, okay, well, man, I'm, something's wrong with me. I'm too skinny. The next thing that the world will use is your abilities. They'll say, what can you do? Even when you're a child and somebody is introducing, sometimes they'll say, well, this is my son and he does this. He's a basketball player, great track runner, loves, oh man, what he can do, he's so good. Okay, and how about the world? The world really focuses on abilities. Think for a minute, who is popular in the world? Who's athletes, rock stars? Okay, let's just think about it for a minute. Somebody can take a ball, they have an ability to throw it. Good for you. I mean, okay. But they're making millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. And then somebody says, here, take this ball, don't throw it, kick it. Let's pay you millions of dollars. And somebody says, here, let me give you a mic. And this is where it gets tough, because I don't think a lot of these people should actually be having mics. If you've heard some of these famous people singing, I'm like, oh, goodness, what's happening? But they're doing something, and their ability has made them valuable to the world, because they're doing something. 
performance. Be the best, do your best. I wonder what we're teaching our children, honestly, in elementary school, all the way through school. I mean, out of the gate, first grade, you got an A, you're awesome. You got an F, mm, failure. You're horrible. I don't know if you're gonna amount to anything. You flunked fifth grade. You know, the pressure that we put on people in the world is that your identity is tied to how well you can perform. By the way, none of those standardized SAT, ACT tests, do they really amount to what somebody can do with a life? No, they do not. Now, I'm happy for you really smart people in the room, but the reality is about 98.9% of us aren't there. The last thing that the world will come Popularity. Who likes you? Who tells you that you matter? You have 10 likes. You're like, awesome. Why do I even post this? Nobody cares. <laughs> but then somebody over here is posting about them kicking a ball through a thing and they got, you know, 20 million likes. I, I don't understand. But it's the world saying, you have value because I say it so. You're in the in crowd. And so this is the way that the world works. And the truth of it is, one of the most valuable voices in our lives is the Father's voice. And I'm talking about your earthly father for this. Whatever your earthly father spoke over you has such a strong ability to mark your soul. And you know what? Some of you in this room have incredible fathers. I see a lot of them sitting in the front row. Amazing fathers. But they're still not perfect. Some of you had really, really bad fathers. They said things to you. They did things to you. They abused you. And those voices were so loud over you. It's shown in statistics and science that a father's voice in the first year creates a secure attachment so you can connect and love and be confident and self-assured all in that first year. It's pretty powerful. One of my best friends, one of my good friends, she actually has 14 children. She's amazing. Um, and she just had a set of twins. And when the twins were born, of course, they've got this huge family. And everybody really lets these two little guys have their, have their autonomy. They're, they're just the most incredible family. Well, the twins are just about to be two, and they're not really talking. And so my friend wasn't really bothered, but her husband was bothered. And she, he said to her, you know, they're just grunting. They're not talking. They're like grunting at us. Like, what is this? We're, we're all talking in conversations, and they understand everything. Like, they're smart as a whip. And she's like, yeah, it'll, it'll work itself out. Well... He had an epiphany, and he said, I wonder if it's because I call them pups. He calls them sugar pup, handsome pup. It's his, it's his little nickname. He calls them pups. And she goes, oh, I don't know. He goes, well, the power of words. You know what? He sat down with his two-year-olds, just about to, and said, hey, guys, will you forgive me? Daddy's been calling you pups, but you're not pups. You're strong men. You're godly men. And daddy loves you. 
and I want you to talk. She said, oh, that's pretty intense, okay. <laughs> so, about three hours later, the boys started to talk. And in one week, their vocabulary is out of this world. The power of a father's voice, the power of every voice, if you believe this voice, good or bad, it will determine your life. What you will believe will determine how you will behave and how you will grow up identifying yourself. And I came up with three things that are called a wounded soul identity. And here's where the world comes in. And you know, the world comes in through the wounded soul. This is where somebody in our life gave us a message and it wasn't good. And they told us, you're not good enough. I don't know why they said it to you, but there must have been a time if you feel insecure or you worry or wonder about, will someone love me and want me? And you have rejection issues. There's a wound in your soul. Somebody spoke something, did something, said something, and that stuck. The second part one is when we feel we have to be perfect. This is performance-driven identity. I cannot fail. I've got to be perfect in everything I do. I have to prove that I'm valued, prove that I'm worth something. The third one, unlovable. Somebody, somewhere said something, and I just don't believe that I'm worthy of love. The message is deep. It's written on my heart. I am not lovable. And what then happens is this quest to have love because just like you need food and water and sleep, you need to be loved. It's not negotiable. It's an absolute must. You must be loved. But, but what about this? What about what everybody said? What about all these people? I, I don't know if you can relate, but I can. I can relate to all three of these wounded soul identities. I was born and raised in a Christian home, went K through 12 in a Christian school, sat in church my whole life. My father was an alcoholic and my parents would get divorced when I was 16. And that father wound is real. I spent my whole life trying to be perfect. Athletics, academics, I only took first place or A's. Well, that didn't really work. So I thought, okay, well, let's go off to college and I know what will work, I'll get me a man. Let, let's get married, let's, let's start a life and then I'll be happy because then somebody is gonna love me. Somebody is gonna want me and I'm just gonna start my own life and I'm gonna let go of the past and I'm gonna move forward in my own life. Except this was all still there. And I tease, but I call it, you know, when the wounded soul is leading you, your picker isn't very good, if you get what I mean. <laughs> so I picked him, 
mostly because he asked, and I was 28, and I was sick and tired of wearing those ugly dresses in everybody else's wedding. And I had a, a closet of ugly dresses, okay? So I was like, yeah, you're 28, you're asking, you got a British accent, that's good enough for me. <laughs> and all the red flags waving behind me, I thought, oh, you'll just magically go away. But they did not magically go away. And after a few years of marriage, I thought, oh my gosh, what did I do? What did I get myself into? And now I'm a Christian, and you know, I'm married, and you don't get divorced if you're a Christian. So you buckle down and you work harder. Anybody hearing some wounded soul stuff talking still? I'm like, okay, I can't fail at this, so that means I just have to try harder. I have to be better, and I have to love him more and, and keep going until it got really bad and really dark and really abusive, and I knew if I didn't take me and my daughter and leave, it was not going to be a good story. And God was so faithful to me because at this point, my identity was not set and I'm telling you, I was a Christian. I led Bible studies and Bible studies and lots of Bible studies. But my soul was so wounded. Inside, I still believed so many things about myself that were not true, but I didn't know how to get better. I just thought, okay, well, maybe I'll just go to more Bible studies. <laughs> so I did that. Maybe I should just serve more at church. So I did that. And it was this journey of pushing through. I had to prove it. I had to earn it. I had to show you that I could be good enough to be loved. But, oh, the goodness of God. I was 35 years old when I actually learned that Christianity is not about behaviors and modifying those behaviors. 35. So this is why I'm here today. Because being a Christian isn't about doing it all right. You're not going to. But the truth is, being Christian and believing and accepting Jesus is about healing that soul. And when he heals your soul, he really comes in like a wrecking ball with love, with love. He doesn't want you to be better. Stop doing that. Quit it. He just says, sit down. I want to sit with you. And I love you. And I didn't know this. I did not know this. And so the journey began when Romans 8 really began to speak to my heart. All those led by God's spirit are God's son's or daughters. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. You're no longer fatherless when you walk into the kingdom of God. When you accept Jesus, that old man that said, my father said this to me, done. Because when you come on up, the Father God says, let me tell you who you are. 
you're my child. And I'm really sorry for that broken man or that broken woman, what they said, what they did. But it's time to believe me. And as a Christian, we have to understand it's not about trying to get it all right, do everything right. It's about shifting our heart to believing that we are the sons and daughters of God. And that's a new identity that's waiting for us. And this true identity is shaped by love. It's no longer shaped by fear. That false identity, I call him the imposter. It's the imposter that shows up at a party, that shows up to church, that shows up at your family dinners, thinking, I've got to prove something. But it's all based in fear. And the Spirit of God doesn't operate in fear. The Spirit of God only operates in love. So he's coming to us and he's saying, this identity, I want to shape you because you know what? God knew only love can fix what's broken with you. Only his love can fix what is broken inside of you. We all have it. I stand here today tell you I am still in process of my wounded soul being totally made new. There are moments where I'm like, oh, this feels so real. And it's a lie. And right then I'm like, Holy Spirit, you need to help me. Okay? So you're not alone if you're like, I'm broken. Yeah, welcome to the party. But this is why Jesus came. He came to heal the woundedness inside. All the voices, all the messages, all the things you've believed about yourself, they are not true. Not if you belong to God and you believe it and receive it. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 just backs this up. It says, when the time came to completion, there's always a perfect time, by the way, for everything, a perfect time. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you are a son, then you are also an heir. And this is everything. You are an heir of the Father God. Your earthly father, awesome as he was, horrible as he was, doesn't matter. You've now stepped into the heir position. Do you know what this means? Everything that belongs to God belongs to you. Everything that Jesus is and was on the earth is yours. And this is so powerful because this is about a bestowed identity. Bestowed. Do you know what bestowed means? It means given. Freely given. Just no strings attached. Just given. I have $100. Yeah, I have $100. Okay. I have $100. I have $100. No. Edna, come here. 
Okay, is that a real $100? Yes. Okay, it's real. Did I make you do anything for that $100? Well, get up. Take it. I said it like six times. Isaac really wanted the $100, but it's, it's real. This is your identity. It's right here. Take it. You're welcome. I love you. And this is how God works. He says, it's right here. You don't like the way your father treated you? Take mine instead. Take mine. You don't like what your ex-husband did to you? Take my husband life over you instead. Everything. Everything. He's, he has everything for you. He just, he's like, it's right here. You got to take it. You got to get up, stand up, come up and take it. It's free. The most beautiful story that I love in the Gospels is when Jesus gets baptized. And we're going to read it in Matthew. It is in every single Gospel story. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him saying, I need to be baptized by you, but yet you come to me? Jesus answered him, allow it for now because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him to be baptized. After Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water and the heavens suddenly opened and something like a dove descending from heaven came down on him and a voice from heaven said this, this is my beloved son. I take great delight in him. What I love about this is it showed Jesus' heart to humble himself. We all know he was perfect. He didn't need to be baptized, but he showed us how to do it. We go under one man, and we come up a new man. And he had no sin in him, and he had done nothing, not one miracle, not one sign, not wonder, no wonders, nothing. And the Father God said, I'm just going to let everybody know exactly how this works. You. I love you. You're mine. And I delight in you. Oh, and by the way, you've done nothing. You don't need to prove it. You don't need to earn it. You don't need to do anything better. You need to just stand up here and take it. Take it. And anything that is coming against you in the form of a message, in the form of a wound, God's word is very clear. He says in the next scriptures, I'm just throwing down the word at you guys today. These truths now become your identity. You are loved. You are a child of God and you are a delight to him. But if you do not believe it, that's a problem. 
And the word of God tells us that we are to, oh, sorry, forgot this one. This is who you now are. When you receive this identity, you are blessed, you are chosen, you are holy, blameless, loved, adopted. That means you're not fatherless. No matter what your father said, you are not fatherless. You have a father who wants to lead you in love, give you wisdom, give you even affection, and shower you with love. You are favored, highly favored. Don't walk around like, oh, my life is so bad, and I don't know if I'm even going to, you know, make it. No. You know how favored you are? You're going to go out today, and there's going to be a little blessing waiting for you. Blessings everywhere you go, blessings. You're redeemed. Whatever was past now is redeemed. He says, I'm going to make it new. I'm going to take it, and I'm going to give you something else in its place. And you are forgiven anything you've ever done, by the way, anything. And you are now sealed. It means it cannot be taken. It belongs to you. This is Ephesians 1. Memorize this. And this is what the scriptures say. When we're on this journey of do I really believe God? The scriptures tells us in Romans 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renew those messages. Renew those voices. Who is telling you that? Is it God? No, then it is Satan and he hates you. He hates you. Why listen to him? Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought, and we make it obedient to Christ. This is the journey that we as believers go on, to take every thought, every message captive. Did God really say that? No, he did not. A broken man or a broken woman did, and they are not your enemy. Your, your identity is not up for debate. It's not up for debate. It is already set. It is who you are. It's time that we start believing God. Because I am telling you, this is what the world needs now. He needs men and women and children who actually know what they are, who they are, because you can't give away what you don't possess. You can't train up the next generation if you don't know who you are. And we're going to have setbacks and we're going to have moments. That's life. But those are just lives to show us by the grace of God we do this journey. It is God's grace, grace, grace on us. And we get to say, Look what God has done. I was a mess. And now I'm put back together. I was broken. And now I'm healed. I was exhausted and tired. And now I have life. Everything, it's about exchanging. God's a good God. He wants to exchange what happened to you to set you up for what he wants to do in you. And this is where our destiny is birthed. Our destiny is birthed completely in, in line with our identity because how can you do what God has for you to do if you don't believe him? 
if you still think you're not worthy of love, how are you going to walk into that? But this faith is the gift of God. You don't even have to muster up the faith, people. It's still that $100 bill. Come get you some faith. Come get it. Come get it. Come get it. You come get it in the Word of God. That's it. You're not going to get it anywhere else, and you're not going to get it in another book, and you're not going to get it on a show, and you're not going to get it from a human. I've got an amazing husband, but I need Jesus. And I had a really tough ride with my dad, but at 35, I forgave my father, and I was set free. And now my dad's my favorite. <laughs> he is so fun. I love being around my dad. See, that's what God does. He takes the broken things, and he makes them beautiful. And that's what he wants to do for us today. Your true destiny is the same of Jesus. Isaiah 61 was prophesied before Christ would come. And this prophecy is now yours. And I want you to find yourself in this prophecy. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance to our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. That's you and me. We will be called oaks of righteousness. We are not tossed about to and fro. We are solid in our soul and we believe God and we are a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor and there's no past that can hold you back and there's no present circumstances that can keep you stuck and there's no thing that you need to do to understand this this is your destiny to let your story be used to rise up for other people, for people, people like you and me, who we were broken, but then God healed. And let me tell you what he has done. Let me tell you, you have a father and you are chosen and you are called and you are loved. So today we wanna to do something with you to walk this out because guess what? It's free. Any message in your mind right now that does not line up with the Word of God, I want you to walk it up to this altar. Every single one of us. If there is any thought in your mind that is not His thought, exchange it. Exchange it. It's free. You don't have to do anything he wants you to come. All you who are weary and burdened and heavy laden, 
Come, come to the altar. Come and exchange the brokenness for the beauty of belonging to God. You belong to God. All those voices, those people that hurt you, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. It sucks. Is that okay to say that in church? But you don't have to stay there. So today's your day and now's your time and I hope you'll come and just meet with the Lord. And we're going to come and we're going to pray over you because we believe that every person is destined for freedom. Freedom. Real freedom. In your heart and in your soul. It's real. It's yours. It's a hundred dollar bill waving. Come get it. It's a gift, nothing you do. You don't have to try harder anymore, by the way. Stop trying. Come. Come. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.